0: Achtung, Panzer in Hello everybody, how are we? We are starting off in our very first podcast of Battle Tank History Podcast. And my name is Paul Harbottle. And I'm Bruce. You're Bruce. I am. Yes. Um, And look, we're just a couple of country lads that live up in um, in, uh, central uh, Victoria. And um, we've been sitting there for quite a while and we've been thinking to ourselves... Gee, I wish there was a podcast about tanks on the internet and no, nothing ever showed up. So we thought, well, bugger it. We'll make our own.
1: We'll give it a go. We'll
0: give it a go. So yeah. first thing we'll say is we are not historians, but we like our tanks.
1: We so don't even look like historians.
0: No. Well, I've got the beer up for well, it. Well, he does. He does.
1: <laughs> yes, Paul and I have known each other for a very long time through, through different things and um, mainly mainly um, historical war gaming and a few other things. So we have both have a a common interest in in the world of tanks. So we thought, let's do this. Yeah, for better or for worse, etc.
0: So, so what the overall object of this is going to be is what we're going to do is we'll just do it tonight. We're going to do a uh, general overview of the introduction of tanks and how they came about in the first place, and then each week, what we're going to do is we're going to take a single tank and we're going to really try and drill down on a little bit and. Not just have a look at its, you know, bits and pieces and bolts and what have you, but more importantly, how well it was and how effective it was on the battlefield, because ultimately that's what it was designed to do. So, and we'll try and, when we can, we'll try and bring uh, stories that we can read out, sort of thing, uh, so that you can get some idea of what it was to be able to operate in around these vehicles. That's the thrust of it anyway. Try and make it interesting. We'll try and make it interesting. For our listeners out there. Yes, so. yes. And if we throw a couple of jokes in, well, they'll no doubt go clang on the floor. We'll keep,
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll keep the sight gags to a minimum. <laughs> All right, well, okay. maybe, maybe we should get started. Dog. Let's do it. Now, oh, the other thing is, if you hear me call him Dog, it's just a little pet name I've had for him for a long time that's, that's not derogatory in any way. Well, it is, but I hate it. But you know, <laughs> that's I know <laughs> nobody else in the world uses it. I know, but go on. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a, I have a habit of giving people nicknames which stick like mud. Mm. So, but anyway, all right. So, what I like to actually do first of all is I just like to read a portion out of a um, um, the book Kursk by Lloyd Clark. Now, I'm not big on reading stuff, but I do read reading out things. I'm sorry, but I I do. Um, I do have a, a fairly, what would you call it, dog? A fairly formidable library. You do, you do. You've, I do. I'm quite impressed with it. You've, you've
0: got the room to be able to spread it out a bit too. Yeah, yes. it's, it's overflowing onto the floor mm. as we speak. So yeah, there's my, nice my children's books in there. stuffs actually. Yep. Like a tidal wave. I at get moment. itchy fingers when I go in there. Yeah, but um,
1: <laughs> I, well, I just wanted to read a little bit out of out of uh, Lord Clark's book, um, and it's just something I always come back to. That's it. Just it just reminds me of of what what the tank is and and. The men that actually operated, I well, and women now, I guess. So, um, this, this is actually um, um, actually a bit about um, uh, Michael Wittman actually um, in the attack. Right. So, I shall just read this little passage from uh, Lord Clark's book. Go for it. There was no panic. Well-rehearsed drills led to a smooth reaction. Crisp orders were issued and immediately followed by experienced crew who understood... The vacillation and panic led to confusion and death. The Tigers advanced, their engines whining as they climbed a low rise before juddering to a halt. The 100-tank Soviet waves sped towards them in an attempt to get close enough for the guns to penetrate the Panzer's armour before the powerful German 88 guns had an opportunity to pick them off. The Tiger gunners peered down their optical sights at the olive green armour a mile away. But even as their crosshairs had settled on a target, the T-34s slipped into a gentle fold into the ground like an an armada sailing on a rolling sea. A tense minute passed before the enemy rose again and now they were just half a mile away. Anticipating the breaking wave, the Tiger Commanders gave the order to fire. The 63-ton beasts jerked as their high-velocity guns blasted off their armour-piercing rounds. The T-34s were devastated. An intense white explosion stopped one dead. Another slew to the right before coming to a blazing stop while the third was ripped apart. The German intercoms were alive with impassioned voices as commanders sought to break up the enemy formation and the five-man crews fought for their lives. The T-34s plunged on as the Tigers found new fire positions and unleashed more destruction. The Soviets closed to within a couple of hundred feet and returned fire on the move. Wittmann's tiger was hit twice. The tank, ringing like a bell, <laughs> was saved by two inches of steel and four from his company were disabled. The field was littered with burning wrecks sending plumes of black smoke into the steely grey sky. Ringing like a bell. That's, that's, what, it se- that's what says it to me. Like That's just incredible.
0: When, when I was in the Army, when we used to have lessons, they would always make sure at the start of it that they would... And they called it the arousal sort of thing. I know it sounds mildly, you know, um, off colour now, but... Isn't, like, isn't this a G broadcast? Of? It is, it is. But it's, it's purely, like to get people's uh, emotions wound up and get them engaged into it. And I couldn't think of a better ar- arousal speech than that to start us in the, into the world of tanks.
1: Well, that's about as touchy-feely as we get, folks. So that was it.
0: <laughs> no more. <laughs> that was pretty good. Okay, that was, um, yeah, ringing like a bell. Ringing like a bell. I just, yep. you just think yep. about,
1: uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of German armour and, the Soviets, the, the bravery of those men must have been incredible. They knew they were up against it, but they had to get in close to actually. Um, yep, yep. But it wasn't just tigers; it was panthers. It was, it was all sorts of things. So it
0: that would have been terrifying for everybody involved. Yeah. Okay, now let's engage ourselves into the uh, the history of the development of the tank.
1: All right. Well, we've done, we've done a little bit of research here, so I'm, I'm not going to bore you with with lots of data, but yep. we, we do need to actually go through and actually yep. um, just put a few things in place so that we know where we've come from. Um, I always thought that the tank was credit, credited to Leonardo da Vinci. If you see those drawings, mm. he had a, a thing that looked like a washing machine, Yep, didn't he?
0: Yep. A spiky washing machine. A spiky washing machine. <laughs> Yes, but I mean, it would have had to have literally have been on cobbled stones or something very, very smooth to even move. So they were vastly impractical. Or maybe like, they had lots of guys in it, like they did with those galley I ships. I think there was only four guys, like moving it on on windlasses. They were like, sorry, sorry, one. Um, they were hand cranks, and there was like, um, yeah, two on each side. Sounds like a World War I tank to me. It does a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Less fumes. Interesting. Interesting <laughs> where we ended up. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, I, I guess before we start on the actual development itself, um, for, for people who don't know, it was like uh, the conditions of the First World War before the tank came. Um, were terrible. Mm, Trench well,
1: warfare is not not the, not the favourite of um, any infantryman. No. I guess.
0: No. And of course, they had to dig down because uh, going above ground was absolute death. Yes, it was. Snipers, artillery, shrapnel, all of it.
1: It's interesting I've actually I've actually traveled to that part of the world I've mm. been to I've been to Belgium and, and um, those parts I actually have an uncle that was that was I had well, I had two uncles that, that fought in the Somme one returned one didn't yep so the one that didn't's actually on the wall of villas Bretno which is okay you know, it's a little bit of history for you yeah. but um, driving down a road and you you come along, you come around there's a beautiful little village and leafy trees and whatever and the signs up and it's posiers and you go a chill goes <laughs> down your spine oh, I bet it does. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just terrible. Mm. So, but World War One was basically the the catalyst that actually started started tanks off. So, um, so I think the British were are accredited with inventing the tank, but mm. it seems that there was a lot of um, development going on in parallel. So it yep. wasn't just I think the only ones that didn't have a, a, a development
0: um, program was the Germans. To be quite honest, well, they more than caught up <laughs> by the time the Second World yes, War rolled well, around. The, in, the, in,
1: the, in the in the in the in the um the years between the wars, they, mm. they caught up. Although they still didn't really have, you know, we we'll probably talk about the two twenty eight later on. But the, the Russians, the Russian two twenty eight was developed between the wars, and it was probably the cutting edge. Mm. But the Germans really didn't have anything. No, they had cardboard cardboard things stuck on the side of trucks because yep. they weren't allowed to have them. Yep. So it's very interesting. Anyway, let's just talk about. Um, well, World War One actually generated the demands for for something um, armored and self-propelled because of because of um, um, machine gun machine guns were the bone of everybody's existence. They were just cutting everybody down. Mm. So um, the great weakness of the tank's predecessor, the armored car, was that it required smooth terrain to move upon, and new developments were needed for something with a cross-country capability. So yep. something that would actually move forward and get across no man's land and, and engage. The, the troops on the other side. The, the tank was originally designed as a special weapon to solve an unusual tactical situation, the stalemate of the trenches on the Western Front. Yep. So uh, it was a weapon designed for one simple task, crossing the killing zone, or no man's land, yep. between the trench lines and breaking into the enemy defences. Mm. Um, well, it actually actually did achieve that eventually.
0: Well, wow. Yes. But like, and not only that, uh, you know, you can well imagine um, uh, the artillery that both sides were using in that war. Even when the tank was first being rolled out, I mean, some of that stuff was enormous, you oh. know. And to negotiate uh, through some of those craters would have been like we're, we're, we're literally talking about the landscape of the moon here. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and then throw yeah. barbed wire into get and in, or we'll throw it. throw winter into it. Absolutely. And, and,
1: then, and then the thaw and then the, the, the sucking mud that occurred mm. after that. And yep. I mean, men men were disappearing into the mud, much less tanks. Yep.
0: I believe they're still digging them up. Oh, they would be. What, men or tanks? Both. Yes. 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 Yeah. And mustard yeah. gas. There's a lot of that. Killing your dog. Well, no, it's true. I mean, that's that's part of the problem with Verdun. People, oh. there are sections there that they can't even go in there and no. still... No, no, that's true. Mm. That's true. That's terrible.
1: Anyway... Um, few recognised during World War One that the means for returning mobility and, and shock action to combat was already present in a device destined to revolutionise warfare on the ground and in the air. This was the internal combustion engine. So that's interesting. So they were still, I mean, they were still using um, a lot of horses, although the Germans still used horse-drawn um, transport in the Second War, yep. didn't they? Yep. So it's that, quite famous that they did. Um But I I happen to know one of my other hats is on the railway buff and I know that they used um, uh, little narrow-gauge steam railways to actually move um, materials and men and and all sorts of things up into the line. Like, I know artillery batteries had their own little narrow-gauge railways Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I wonder if they could have developed a steam tank, wouldn't they? That would have been interesting.
0: Steampunkers everywhere would oh, unite. Imagine that! <laughs>
1: how, how interesting would that
0: be? That would be—that'd be something else. It would be a sight to behold. That, that would
1: be something else. <laughs> um, so the internal combustion engine made possible the development of the tank, and eventually would lead to the mechanized forces that mm. were to assume um, the roles of horse cavalry and loosen the grip of the machine gun on the battlefield. Mm. So they couldn't. I know. I know that the, the British. Tried and tried and tried and tried to engage the cavalry, but they just couldn't. They just couldn't do it. No, they weren't able to do it. I mean, we could talk about cavalry engagements in in the Middle East, and and in fact Australians were in, in, were engaged in that, the light horse and things like that. So, mm.
0: but um, it's it's basically like the mechanised
1: mechanised cowboys, isn't it? When you think about
0: it. Well, with the uh, Rolls Royces and and the uh, armoured cars. Mm. Mm, They they were quite effective when and where they could go. Uh, Like, they were fairly um, immune to light fire, from what I understood of it, particularly the Rolls-Royce variants. They were very, Big ugly things, too. They look Mm. good in my driveway. I'd love to have one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, I'm I'm sure your wife would love that.
1: (laughs) Uh, She knows how it is. Um, With increased firepower and protection, uh, these mechanised forces would... Only some 20 years later, become the armour of the Second World War. So we're talking the initial Blitzkrieg. Mm. So it just go, but Blitzkrieg proved that armour didn't have to be. Um, you didn't have to have massive firepower, or you didn't have to have massive um, uh, protection. No, but you needed speed, and you needed well, you needed balls, really, didn't you? <laughs>
0: Well, you did, but you also need to be able to cut in and around and surround. You know, yeah. encirclement. But you had key. to have the.
1: I mean, I think I think the difference with, with this and with, with Bitch Creek, although we can't talk about it, um, they the Germans had they had um, artillery support, they had air support, and they, they coordinated all and, and infantry. So they they coordinated all four things together, which, funnily enough. Um, uh, John Monash did. Mm. He was the first. He was yes. actually the first yes. one ever. Yep. And that actually turned the war right at about 1917, I think. Cambrai, I think it was. No, no, Cambrai was the first tank battle dog. We're talking. We're talking just. Um, we're talking just the other side of um, Villa. Uh, not, yeah, Villa
0: So, mm. I'll have to yield to you on that one. I can't remember exactly. No, Cambrai was the first. Mm. Um, was when the British
1: tanks went in. That's the first time they actually, on yep. mass, yep. attacked. Yep. So, um, yeah, when uh, self-propelled artillery and armored personnel carriers, uh, wheeled cargo vehicles, and supporting aviation, all with adequate communications, were combined to constitute the modern armored division, commanders regained the ability to maneuver, which is what they were really looking for. Mm. So the the war had bogged down, and it just wasn't going anywhere. Tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of men were dying mm. for no real gain. I mean, if you do your reading and look at um, you look at those battles through the Somme and, and it's just through 1915 and 1916, it's just horrible, horrible mm. things. And for, you know, a hundred yards of grand or less, it's just the worst. It's just a nightmare. Anyway, so there were numerous attempts... Um, to armor, to armor all-terrain vehicles, which had been imagined for a long time, with the advent of trench warfare, the Allied French and British developments of the tank were largely parallel and um, in time. So, the British and the French would, had basically had programs to try and develop something that would basically crack open. Yep. The um, the fortified lines. I mean, the Germans had very good fortified lines. They had concrete bunkers, and they had, you know, they were actually way better than ours. Mm. So um, when we talked about Leonardo da Vinci, um, in, in the 15th century, um, a Hussite called Jan Ziska won several battles using armored wagons containing cannon that could be fired through holes on their sides. That would have been a surprise to his um, opponents.
0: Yeah, they would have been scratching their head over that one, I imagine. Or, what the hell's that Oh <laughs> <laughs> yes. Imagine that. They can't shoot us they, from here. they can't.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Oh, jeez! That, that would have been a nasty surprise, I think. So, th- I mean, that's 15th century. That, that's that's a fair that's a fair mm-hmm. a fair way away. Mm-hmm. So, um, in 1903, a French artillery captain named Leon Levasseur mm-hmm. proposed the Levasseur project. Why do they name it after themselves, dog? Ego. Yeah. apostle horn French. We can't say that. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello to our French viewers. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a long podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Um, he he proposed like a self-propelled cannon moved by a caterpillar system. and fully armored for protection. So that's basically um, is what it is, really. Yeah, that's 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 the concept. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been doing a bit of research on different tanks. You know, and some, some in the Second World War. And one of our um, little favourites, the the Char B, mm. B1, yep. was actually uh, proposed as a self-propelled gun. It wasn't actually a tank to start with. And then they just... It, and. You'll see it has a like a howitzer stuck in the into the mm, into, into the, the front hull. into the yep. hull, yep. but then they just put a forty-five mil or a thirty-seven mil up on on a turret on the top and called it a tank. Mm. But originally it was a self-propelled
0: gun. Well, it would have been a very good self-propelled gun. It mm, did yeah. everything a self-propelled a propelled gun really needs to do. It's yeah. dirty, great, big gun sticking out of the guts of oh, it. Yeah. So the Germans figured it out. The Sturmgeschütz. Yeah. 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 So um, the. Uh,
1: vasseur machine would have a crew of three, storage for ammunition, and a cross country ability. But the viability of the project was disputed by the artillery technical committee. Oh there we go. See
0: this. Gotta be this, a committee.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> but it, it seems it seems to be, and we'll we'll just keep sort of moving through these, but mm-hmm. it seems to be that the tank was like um it didn't have a home. It was sort of it wasn't artillery, yep. it wasn't You know, like I I think even the British tanks originally had naval guns in there because they had Mm. naval guns in them. So they actually had six pounder naval guns. Yeah. So Mm. they had naval crew to man the guns, Mm. which, you know, it it just seems that if they had just developed it and built the damn thing without Mm. everybody having a say, Mm. nothing changes really.
0: Well, any new technology usually has people coming at it from all sides Mm. until somebody comes out on top. yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess the tank's no different from any of the other new technologies sort of thing, but, like, at first there's always going to be that, like, flux where everyone yeah. doesn't know what's going on and who's in command and who's in charge, and it usually needs somebody like, you know, Churchill to come along and give it a good old push.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that that French version in 1903 was, was formally abandoned in 1908. Mm. So, yeah. And as you'll see, as we keep yep. sort of moving yep. through this, you'll see that that's that was a, a steam. Recu- that was a, recu- a steam
0: powered, or is that running off a um, no. internal combustion eighty horsepower petrol engine? Wow. Okay. Eighty horsepower. Yeah, I know it's the. Um, I think that's bigger than the ones that they were using at this in, in nineteen sixteen. We'll More horsepower. Soon find out. We'll fine, yeah. Oh, we will. Yes. <laughs> um, in the years before
1: the Great War. Two practical tank lock designs were proposed, but not developed. In 1911, the Austrian engineering officer Gunter Bursten—that's
0: a great name for someone designing <laughs> a tank. Gunter Bursten. You must hate your child when you call him that, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to call him now?
1: Call him Gunter. <laughs> yeah, but Bursten. <laughs> He submitted a proposal for is a fighting vehicle that had a gun in a rotating turret.
0: So there you go. There's the rotating mm. turret, 1911. Is that how it comes in most rooms? He just bursts in? Bursts in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> That's as good as it gets, guys. I'm sorry. No. This is this is a little level of humor. It's as good as a dog gets, anyway.
1: <laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, oh, this is the bit I like. Mm. In 1912, the Australian civil engineer Lancelot de Mole. Now, there's another name.
0: Oh, Lancelot de Mole. They were really um, striking for gold, weren't they?
1: He had a proposal which included a scale model of a fully, uh, fully tracked vehicle. Both of these were rejected by their respective governmental administrations. Mm. Now, in a future podcast, dog, I want to have a bit of a chat about the Sentinel, which was, which yes. was um, definitely one of ours. Had three V eight slammed into the back of it.
0: Our own little Frankenstein.
1: It was a, it was a fantastic <laughs> thing. Had a crap gun. Yep. but it had initially but it yep. ended up with a 17 pounder mm. and um, the only reason that they didn't
0: Did they have a variant that was trying to jam 2 25 pounders in like dual guns oh. I'm sure of it I'll look it up yeah you um, have a look I know
1: I know that the, I know that the it was a I think was the, the original gun was a two pounder. It mm. was a two pounder, two pounder, so which was yep. the same as the Matilda had. Yep. And then they, they eventually got the seventeen pounder, which was the anti tank gun. Which mm. that sounds more like us, to be mm. honest. But I said three V V8s. Yep. But shoehorned into the back of this thing. Oh, I reckon oh, that was awesome. You know, the typical the typical Bogan tank of the of the forties. <laughs> but of course. More power. <laughs> well, the, the Yanks turned up with Shermans, and they could make more of them. So, yep, and we ours were um, basically mm. putting in mothballs.
0: But look, w- there was one important thing that we did do, um, I, and I'm pretty sure that we were the first ones to create a cast hull uh, tank. That the Sentinel was the first ca- um, fully it's fully cast, fully yeah. cast. Well, um, the Russians, hole. the Russians were doing cast hulls by that stage of the game. Yes, so yeah. the T34 was a cast hull as well, wasn't it? Indeed. Yes, indeed. Oh, or
1: the the turret of a uh, again there may not have been first. There's a there's a T thirty four eighty five in the, the local um, museum here, which is a, is a runner because mm. I know it runs because yep. there's oil leaking out of it. Yep. But th- the turret's actually been cast in the ground. You can see it. Yep. And it's just it's brutal. And I've I've seen the um the KV one in the museum at Bovington.
0: Yeah, it's just as rough.
1: It's brutal. Mm. It's just ab- yep. absolutely brutal. So Strong tank. Yeah. <laughs> so, the um, the I mean, we can talk about the, the Holt um tractors. Holt tractors were, basi- were the basis of um I believe the the um the tanks that we got. Yep. So um, Benjamin Holt of the Holt Manufacturing Company of Stockton, California was the first to file a US patent for a, a workable crawler-type tractor in 1907.
0: Mm. That's interesting, 1907, when you mm. think about that? That was the one that had those dirty, great big planks for tracks, didn't it? That the big block um, mm. pieces of blocked wood. Did they? I'm fairly sure. I've, in my mind... You're not making this up. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> I think. Look, I'll, I'll go find the picture and we'll put it up on okay. um, we'll, the Facebook site. We'll, we'll do a bit of research. It might, yeah. might take us a couple of days yeah. to find When up. we find yeah. these tanks that we're, we're mentioning, we will put uh, them on Facebook mm. and uh, we will strive towards making a web page as well. But I think that might be beyond our um, abilities at this point in time. But we certainly can get them up onto um, the web page. Yeah. Uh, Facebook page, I should say. Yes. absolutely. Mm. Um. The centre of such
1: innovation, we're we're talking about tractors, was in England. And in 1903, Holt travelled to England to learn more about ongoing development, um, though all those he saw failed their field tests. Hmm. Wouldn't wouldn't instil, you know, confidence in you when you think about it. No. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Holt paid Alvin Lombard $60,000 US. 60,000 bucks in 1903 equivalent to 1.6 million dollars in 2017. Yep, that's a fair bit of milk money hmm. for the right to produce vehicles under Lombard's patent for the Lombard uh, steam log hauler. Hmm. So uh, I think Holt was Holt was um, he was agricultural, but I think he was doing logging and Yep. I've seen photos in the logging stuff like that. These, these crawler tractors sort of pulling thing, pulling these massive logs out of the woods.
0: Slow, but they did get there in the end.
1: Although they were geared right down, weren't mm. they? So Holt returned to Stockton and utilising his knowledge and his company's um, metallurgical capabilities, he became the first to design and manufacture practical continuous tracks for use in tractors. Mm. So he was the man that actually yep. um, he got the tracks going around the wheels. Yep, That's cool. Um, in England, David Roberts of Hornby, Hornsby and Sons, Hornsby, not the model trains, Hornsby and Sons, Grantham obtained a patent for a design in July 1904. So it just seems that everybody's doing everything at the same time, but they're doing it differently, slightly. (laughs) In the United States, Holt replaced the wheels on a 40-horsepower Holt steamer um, with a set of wooden tracks bolted to chains. There you go, dog. You were right. Well,
0: there you go. I thought uh, there was a halt in there somewhere. I was sure of it.
1: But the wooden tracks vaulted the Mm. chains. Yeah. On November the 24th, 1904, he successfully tested the updated machine ploughing the soggy delta land of Roberts Island. Mm. So if you've got some soggy land, a halt track (laughs) (laughs) is... Just the thing. (laughs) When, uh, when World War One broke out, with the problem of trench warfare and the difficulty of transporting supplies to the front, the pulling power of crawling-type tractors drew the attention of the military. Yep. Okay. So, whole tractors were used to replace horses, to haul artillery and other supplies. The Royal Army Service Corps also used them to haul long trains of freight wagons over the unimproved dirt tracks behind the front. So, I'm guessing they blocked the original road train. so they had a... Basically, a Holt tractor was a prime mover, and mm. he hitched everything up behind it and just dragged it up.
0: Yep. So, but of course, that from memory again, and it could be just pulling out at me bum here, but I'm pretty sure that um, there was no. Is the, the biggest problem with the Holt's was they were effectively a steam engine, and the guy sits up the mm. top, and there's no protection for them, so mm. they had to come up with something a little bit more effective for a battlefield yeah. sort of thing. Well, so the
1: Holt's were, were ultimately the the um, the inspiration for mm. the development of the British and French tanks. Yep. Yeah, so by 1916, about a 1,000 of Holtz Caterpillar tractors were used by the British in World War One. So there you go. That's mm. that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. The, um, the the tractors weighed about 18,000 pounds. So there were 8,200 po- 8, 8, 8, kilograms, so 8.2 tons, these tractors. They had 120 horsepower, um, or 89 kilowatt engine in them,
0: be interesting to see how uh, many pounds per square inch they mm. put down, though, because they may not have put down. Because you think about it, most tanks, like they get up to upwards of fifty ton, and there's not a lot of footprint. Like they've got, I don't know, twelve meters of track on the ground on each side. are uh, not quite that. Big. Yeah, well, tracks were originally very narrow. Yeah, but they they soon
1: figured that. T-34. The, the, lessons, mm. the lessons of the T-34, you know, mm. tracks got wider and wider,
0: didn't yep. they? So, yep. so they g- smart cookies, those Soviets. Well, they are. Mm. They're still smart. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah. So by the end of the war, there was about 10,000 hot yep. vehicles yep. in service. So, but, so what we'll probably do, so that's the basis of the idea of what eventuated was the hot tractor.
0: Mm. Excellent. All right. So, what's the next stage of this then? So well, they looked at the whole tractors and they thought, yeah. "We need some of that, but it's impractical in its form." Yeah. Well, so Yeah. We need
1: we need something that we can put blokes inside like a Trojan horse, right? And we need some protection, and we need we need something that can shoot back. Mm. So, so maybe what we should, we'll do is we'll just we'll just go through and sort of go through the different countries, like I guess. Yep. So from the French development. So, but as you can, there was a lot of start and stopping, both the French and the British. Yep. It's, it's, it's amazing anything got done. To be quite well,
0: this is why I thought this might end up being a double episode, actually. Because mm. I thought, maybe we'll paraphrase. Because yes. <laughs> there's, there's a there's a for a time for a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll see. You, I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> Yes, but, um, yeah. the development so of the tank, part seven. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I, 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 just,
1: I just don't want people to get bored with it. Mm. You know? So, so we, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll go for the French first because yep. it was their country. Yep. Really, the, the That's right. this occurred in. So the French colonel, Jean-Baptiste Estienne. Lovely name. Yep. Yeah, I'm really sorry with my accent pronouncing these names, but I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can. Um, articulated the vision of a cross-country armoured vehicle in uh, 1914 so that was uh, August 1914 so mm-hmm. um, he, he was quoted as saying victory in this war will belong to the belligerent who is the first to put a cannon on a vehicle capable of moving on all kinds of terrain
0: mm-hmm. he's probably right
1: well we'll engage the Australians to help you out. the
0: French had just found out the hard way because um, at the very start of the, um, the First World War uh, the French were um exceptionally brave oh. and yeah, when yeah. they went up against the Germans um like uh, they were slaughtered on all, both sides mm. but the germans had a bit of a field day at first because the French their idea was uh just simply to attack and of course it played mm. s- straight into but the German
1: correct me if I'm wrong but yeah. they were still wearing the um the, yes. The, every- blue, the blue uniforms. Well, that's You it. could see
0: a mile away. And everybody was wearing felt hats. Nobody even Nobody had, twigged no. what shrapnel could do, you know, well, at an industrial level. But they should have. Well, you'd think so. But, you know, they were finding out very quickly just how horrendous the losses were.
1: Mm.
0: Incredibly brave, but anyway. I think it was like something like 26,000 in the first day for the French. Just in the first day. Yeah. Mm. On their soil. On their soil. Yeah. Mm. Shocking.
1: Uh, where were we? Okay. Um, there were some privately owned Holt tractors were used by the French army soon after the start of World War II to pull um, heavy artillery pieces. Mm. But the French did not purchase Holt's in large numbers. It was the sight of them in use by the British that later inspired STN to have plans drawn up for an armoured body on Caterpillar tracks. Mm. Ah, so there you go. Clever man. Yeah, in the meantime... Well, he was a visionary, wasn't he, mm. when you think about it? In the meantime, several attempts were made to design vehicles that could overcome the German barbed wire and trenches. From early from 1914 to 1915, an early experiment was made with the Boyerolt machine with the objective of flattening barbed wire defences and riding over gaps in the battlefield. Now, some of these machines were quite interesting. <laughs> some of these were just... War of the World stuff like yep, you know, yep. I mean the, my fa- particular favourite I'm not sure if it's actually in this in this dialogue or not my particular favourite was the one with 40 foot diameter wheels which if
0: we can find a picture we'll, oh, again, we'll, we'll pop it up there yes. I've seen a picture of it yep. 40 foot diameter wheels imagine that what, go, 40 foot how yeah. many is that in metres just out of curiosity 40 foot in diameter, is
1: a four-storey building. So it's basically a four-storey building coming across.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Yeah, and it's shooting at you. (laughs) Well, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. I I don't
1: know if it had a weapon or I think it was just basically for flattening um, barbed wire or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Well, the the one that the French used, um, the machine was made of huge parallel tracks formed by... Four by three meter metallic frames, rotating around a triangular um, motorised centre.
0: Oh God, that sounds like Star Trek. It sounds like an absolute beast to try yeah. and turn.
1: The device was too fragile and slow, as well as incapable of changing direction.
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and was abandoned. Dear, oh, dear! <laughs> yep. It was a good idea until they had to turn the corner. I just,
1: I just love the names of these people. In France on the first of December 1914, Paul Frott, F R O T, an engineer consulting canals for the Champagne Nationale du Nord, I know that du Nord is north, proposed to the French ministry a design for a land ship. Now, this is a term that's actually used yep. later on, isn't yep. it? Like the, the, the Russians had um, like land ships or land battleships. Mm. Two twenty eight was one, the 235? That's the one. I think yes. That was the, land that land was land the double, double
0: turret one behind the other. Yeah, it had, mm. had, had, yes. um,
1: had multiple turrets mm. um, with armor and ar- armament based on the motorisation of a compactor with heavy wheels or rollers. <laughs> the Frot Laffy. Oh, it gets better, isn't it? <laughs> was tested on the 18th of March 1915 and effectively destroyed barbed wire lines,
0: but was deemed lacking in mobility. Oh God. Well, well, considering how bad the first tanks were. For it's amazing and they and got off the th- They thought that they were successful. These must have been appalling. Oh, well, I mean the three
1: the three base the basic premise of the tank is mobility, protection, and firepower. And firepower. Mm. Fail. Yep. Oops. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the project was abandoned in favour of General STN's development using a tractor based, code named Tractor STN. <laughs> 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 oh man. I mean, there's there's a number of other things that, and if you're really interested, you could actually read about these. Mm-hmm. So, but um, it just gets wilder and wilder and, yep. and funnier and funnier.
0: So, in essence, there's a lot of different um, rabbit holes that have been um, yeah, and we chased can up. And we can talk about these f- yes. in a future broadcast. Yes. I think, but the weird and wonderfuls. Oh, they just get well.
1: Mm. I, mean, I mean, we may we may do one on if if we get going nicely. If people are nice to us, um, I'd like to do one on the um, the funnies for the um, the, no, the, the Normandy, yep. yeah, the yep. Normandy landing. Yep. So that, that would be a really cool thing yep. to do. So Hobart tanks, yep, that's the ones. So, um, but anyway, where were we at um, in nineteen January nineteen fifteen? The French arms manufacturer Schneider and Co. Now Schneider was Schneider an actually ended up making tanks for the French, didn't they? Like they had um, there were Schneider tanks in.
0: Second World There was, if I remember correctly, wasn't that one with the big long snout on the front of it, you know, that looks a bit like a plough at the front. Was that a snout? Oh, um, I don't know. Snyders made um, infantry
1: weapons too, didn't they? Mm. Snyders? No, I, I don't know. I think I they did. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure someone will correct me. Mm. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so Schneider sent out his, their chief engineer, Eugene Brilli, yep. to investigate track um, tra- tractors from the American Holt Manufacturing Company. At that time, participating in a test program in England for a, a project of mechanical wire-cutting machines. On his return, Brilli, who had earlier been involved in designing armoured cars for Spain, so the Spanish had armoured cars, by then. there you go, <laughs> convinced the company management to initiate studies on the development of a tractor blind et armé, so armored and armored and armed tractor based on the Baby Holt chassis, two of which were ordered. So experiments on the whole Caterpillar track started on in May nineteen fifteen at the Schneider plant with a seventy-five horsepower wheel-directed model and a forty-five horsepower integral Caterpillar Baby Holt, showing the superiority of the latter. So mm. it, it it was. Deemed early on that mm. the Caterpillar tractors were actually the way be, to go. Yeah, the way yeah. to go. Yep. And they could go yep. over any any yes. terrain, yep. well, if they were designed properly. Um, anyway, the first chassis with armour was demonstrated at Sourdain on the 9th of December 1915 to the French Army um, with the participation of Colonel Estienne. So they're all working parallel to each other, but I think they're all going to end up...
0: Yes, coming together in the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On
1: the 12th of December, unaware of the Schneider developments, SDN presented to the High Command a plan to form an armoured force equipped with tracked vehicles. He was put in touch with Schneider and in a letter dated 31st of January 1916, Commander-in-Chief Joffre ordered the production of 400 tanks of the type designed by Brilli and SDN. So 400 tanks, that's, Mm. that's a pretty big order when you think about it. Although the actual production order of 400 was made a bit later on the 25th of January, uh, 1916. Soon after, on the 8th of April, 1916, another order for 400 St. Chamon tanks was also placed. So they're going all out. Yep. They're going all out. Um, And the tank deliveries were spread over several months from the 8th of September, 1916. The the, the St. Chamon tank would start being delivered in April, 1917. Okay. So... By the time that the British were sort of getting these together, the French were also doing the same. All
0: right. Well, um, what we might do now, I think, uh, before we start launching into uh, the British development and the uh, German retaliation development, I guess would be the best way of putting it, is we might uh, leave it for this evening and uh, we'll come back with part two, which we'll release in a few days. Okay. We'll keep you on baited breath. bated breath. Baited breath, yes. All right. Well, okay, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. See, you can do it. <laughs> Pip can't do it. For some reason she just doesn't get it. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys, I'll catch you later. Bye Bye-bye. bye. Bye.